We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey guys, just want to let you know this is a clip from my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash crimson60620. Check it out. If you want to see some of my other videos, if you want to see some of my art as I'm doing it, or if you want to actually just get more of me, thank you. Now. All right, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for checking out this video. It is me, Crimson60620, and I am here with a guest, one of my longest known friends. So they either have to be a masochist or very, very charitable. I have here Dr. Shady Shay from Reality the Pod. I, I would go with charitable because it takes a lot. Yeah. Patience, oh. virtuous. I like that. I'm virtuous. Just, just admit, I'm like a drug fuel LSD trip. Who you? Yes. I don't know. That might be enjoyable. God. <laughs> oh shit. So, how are you doing today? I am actually pretty tired. We were up late, super late last night because my family, we do this every year or every time it's a barbecue season. Are we going to cook for the holiday? No. And then each day we get closer to this holiday, it's pretty clear that a barbecue is happening because people start buying stuff. Steaks show up. Hot wings show up. Barbecue sauce. 150 pounds of charcoal. Wait. I was like, I thought we weren't barbecuing. Oh, we we're not, and you know, just in case. Wait, yeah, one hundred and fifty pounds of charcoal. Yeah, charcoal comes in thirty pound bags. You know, Kingsford, the double bags are at least you know sixty pounds. How do you get a hundred and fifty pounds worth of charcoal? Um, he bought four bags of the Kingsfords, so the double packs. So that's sixty and sixty. And he bought a 50-pound bag or something that's not regular charcoal. It's like a whole um, long-burning, I don't know, like a wood briquette. It actually worked way better than the Kingsford. So mm-hmm. that's probably going to be our go-to from now on because we really didn't even need to put more coals on the grill because they burned hotter and burned longer. And for somebody who don't really like to grill, me that's a great thing that i wouldn't have to continually have to stoke the fire that i got a good burn for a very long time well kingsford is something that like i find burns actually really well now i do mix in wood chips with mine kind of get that hickory or apple flavoring but you know that's just you know growing up with somebody who used to grill in the fucking snow all the damn time. I don't like the wood chips. I feel like they don't add enough of a smoke flavor for me to really waste 
time prepping those. Do you soak them in water and cold water for at least uh, half an hour? Yeah. Wow. Oh, I guess I'm just not a big I'm not a big fan of the lichets, but these um slow cooking briquettes I actually really like. They're more of a a commercial braid, so it's not something that the average barbecuer would purchase. But my brother, you know, he gets a little excited when celebrations are happening. So, so wh- yeah. it's one of those briquettes where like they do a perf- um, like um competition. Yeah, he saw it watching um, Steve Reichlin's show on um, WTTW. And, like, Steve Reichlin has 150,000 grills that he's collected from his travels around the world and different briquettes and stuff and shit. So, yeah, listening to his ass, but where you going to find that ceramic fucking dome grill that he got in Mesa 20 years ago in his travels? You're not. But apparently these briquettes are good. I actually like them. They burned way hotter than Kingford, Kingsford would. Mm-hmm. And again, they burned longer. So where do you guys get your meat from? Because I know I know I get mine from Parks, which is over here on the south side, not too far from where I'm at now. Um, Ribs you can get anywhere, personally, because you're going to cook them slow and low forever anyway. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, we got some ribeye steaks and some chicken from Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Whole Foods has that um, kind of like the Amazon Fresh hookup. They'll deliver it within a two-hour window. Mm-hmm. Those steaks were so good. You know what? I miss Moinoinks. I remember they used to have that shit like around the Chicago area. I know the last one was over on the west side, but I, I thought they closed it by now. Yeah, it's gone. Cool. <sighs> Too bad. So, um, um, shit, you're the guest. Um, I've with every guest that I have on my channel, um, I let you lead the conversation. So, first, before we go any further, I know you partially plugged it, but can you plug your podcast? Wonderful. I am part of a two-team host of this low-budget creation called Reality the Pod, where we run down this trash-ass reality TV shit week to week. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Anchor.fm, and Spotify, and Apple Pod, and a couple others I don't remember. Now, if... Breaker or something like that. So I also put my podcast on Anchor. I will admit that you are the inspiration of the um, reason why I put my shit on Anchor, especially the non-visual shit where I'm just talking or responding to a video. Um, so what made you do the podcast? Um, it's something that we came up with a couple of years ago. Me and my best friend, Trash Can Tam, um, I've known her since. I was a sophomore. She was a freshman in high school. Like, this is one of my friend friends. Um, Ouch. And we watch the same shows. But, no, like, I keep a tight circle. So most of the people that I'm going to tell you, like, that's my friend friend, I done known them for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. I don't, I don't have too many casual friends. So when I say this is my friend friend, I mean this is my friend friend. Like, we go back. High school young 
I was about to say young nigga shit, but we ain't really niggas. Like, we niggas, but we not niggas. I don't know. Anywho, we watch a lot of the same shows and stuff, and we would have these conversations about the shows, and her cousin Tyra also watched some of the same shows. We watched No Love and Hip Hop, those kind of shows. And she told us, like, you guys are hilarious. Y'all should do a show. And from that birth, the idea to do a podcast. Tammy listens to a lot of podcasts. Shout out to the ladies at Horrible Decisions because they kind of support and motivate us to do what we're doing, even though they podcasters. They want to support other black women trying to do that thing. So they let us go on their lives and go on their Patreon videos and plug our show. Tammy has done a guest spot on Horrible Decisions. Um, there's talks about us doing a, another spot with them. or um, We've also been on Dita Dom's podcast, if you're into all things sex, especially I, lifestyle shit. I was going to mention Dita that I, I've caught a few of those episodes. And it's um, enlightening. I enjoy D. Um, he's come on our show, of course. Um, we met... Through horrible decisions, and um, it's just a, a refreshing perspective to get from another man. Cause I mean, it's me and Tammy. All our stuff is coming from a female perspective. Even though I don't really consider myself a full female, like I'm a broad at best. Now, 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 gotta bear with me on this one because I know you've seen some of my videos. Um, remember this channel is lgbt friendly so when i when you say that you just mean i mean i'm born with the (laughs) genetic parts i just don't act like one i i'm not a girly girl never have been um my mother didn't want me to be a girly girl she didn't want me to be obsessed with boys or babies she wanted me to be what she wanted to be even though she was pressure on her to get married and have kids and all that she told me no baby do what you want to do, go to school, live your life, see the world, travel, have kids if you want to, or don't if you don't. Well, and you know what? That's the one thing that I've actually always, you know this, what I try to tell my brat that I get, because, you know, one of the biggest things that, um, and especially from coming from my channel where I tell a lot of guys, like, don't expect women to be your prissy prim maids and shit. Like, expect women to have to be as much of a person as you want to be. And this is like, if you guys, if you actually know like the history of like, if you actually want to know the history of somewhere those ideas came from, I've always enjoyed people who were more themselves instead of just some stereotype. And unfortunately this person right here has actually had a hand in shaping me I think I know you for what twenty years. Oh God! Yeah. Fuck. Oh God, that's a, that's a prison sentence. And did life with this nigga. <sighs> anyway, and it has not always been easy because he don't listen. He don't listen to nobody. Excuse me, Miss Pot. The kettle was calling. Oh, I know. I'm card carrying, hard headed. Please, I listen to no one. My thoughts and feelings are the most expertest, so I don't need nobody else's perspective. I will admit it. You act like you don't, though. 
I've been learning. All right, so with this, um, just going to go over a couple other things um, because I want to go more into it. Um, you and I got into a little beef on Facebook. Not really a beef, but um, I got upset with you because, like, I really, really want to push this. How is your art coming? You got upset with me, but, like, we think of art in two different mindsets. I'm very private with my art because I can't, I don't want no criticism. I'm going to do and work and grow and develop. Like, I practice all the time, but I'm not going to put out anything that's not well composed and complete. Not, I, I, I can't share my process with you. I, I'm just not that open. You're willing to share your process. You only gonna see real shit for me. Uh huh. Like when I'm ready to put it in a book and sell it to a publishing company, that's when I'll put my stuff out, but not before. I'll give you little kernels. Oh, I don't know if it's necessarily a perfectionism because I do. Like you invited me to that manga group on Facebook. I talk to a lot of artists on there. I follow a lot of artists there on YouTube and Instagram, and I've been taking their advice, and I've been doing different things to kind of grow my craft. But I'm not going to share that process with nobody. Unless you, like, Jay is probably the only person who will be able to see my art in the stages, even my brother, because he's nosy, and he'll go through my art books. And my aunt, because she also knows nosy, and has gone through my art books. <laughs> But you won't see those different faces. Now, I can share that with my close friends, but I'm not going to put that on social media. No. Now, um, also, also, um, I want to get into this. You help develop um, young, irritated, and not irritated, young, impressionable minds, too. How do you enjoy that? Um, You know... When I first went to college, I went to college for computer science. And that's literally you and a computer for hours and hours trying to develop and create code, which makes no sense. It's just a bunch of random symbols put together. And if you manage to put one semicolon in place of a colon, your whole program won't run. And I literally lost my hair stressing out trying to do that. Was I good at it? Yes. Did I enjoy it? Not at all. Same here. That's when I knew I wanted to work with people. Mm -hmm. And then I fastly figured out that I don't like adults. So then I had to figure out how to work with children. But I didn't want to be a doctor because I didn't want to go to school for 8,000 years. Hindsight 2020, I did it anyway. (laughs) Um, So there came the idea to be a teacher. I did some work with Jumpstart, which... um, they're under the umbrella city year, but Jumpstart is specifically for children by preschool to like kindergarten, first grade. And I really enjoyed it, even though there were some really snotty kids with really bad attitudes in preschool. I still enjoyed it because there's like this moment where like I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to teach, I'm trying to teach it. And then it clicks. And that in it clicks moment for me is worth it. Worth all the headaches. Worth all the stress. That and then it clicks. 
teach kids how to read, and then it clicked for the special ed teacher. So I'm getting kids who didn't fit the general ed mold. They didn't fit the mold. So there's something wrong with them. They need to be sick. So they give them to me, and I take them as they are, and I never let them know that there's something wrong or that they need to be fixed because they're just kids who learn differently. I was a kid that learned differently. And differently isn't always bad because it's I learned not. differently as well. Now, one of the things before we go off, before we go off on a serious tangent, what you hear about programmers now and with teachers now, which has the harder job? Now, besides interacting with people, what do you think has the harder job? Uh, teachers, hands okay. down. Because you know, programming is is your brain. Well, so the only person that you got to check when you're programming is yourself. Well, now with game companies requiring their programmers to do or game designers to do 100 plus hour work weeks to little to no pay. I don't know. The pay would have been handsome, (laughs) much better, more than I'm getting paid right now. But it was a level of stress I literally couldn't handle. Like my when I say my hair fell out, I mean, my hair fell out. There's a little patch on top of my head that still don't grow right for the Two years of computer programming. Yeah, no, no, you you wouldn't like crunch time. Then definitely wouldn't like crunch time. All right, so um, um, one of the big things that I, I've been pressuring you for like months on end to like come on a chat and talk about um post um post that you actually advocate for and things that you advocate for. Now I get it. You're not as far left as I am. I'm like totally at. Um, socialism, social democracy. You're more a little bit, more a little bit more liberal, and you know, we all have to start the drug somewhere. I consider myself a little bit more liberal. I don't know if I fully believe in a socialist society, just because I don't conduct myself that way. If I want something, I grind for it, See, and I understand that. That's a personal trait within myself. Mm-hmm. Like even in a socialist society, I'm not just going to accept what's given. I'm going to grind for what I want. So let me stop you right there because what you're talking about more is communism, not socialism. There's a little bit of a difference. See, communism is give everything to socialism is basically capitalism with rails. It's more of like yeah, you can't, like, instead of oppressing us, like, 90%, only 50 But then again, um, too, I dive into political theory. So. I don't, because I don't trust politicians, any of them. Um, because I know there's a lot of backroom, hand-washing, hand-shaking, wheeling, and dealing that goes on to put people in the political arena. It's not necessarily the people that are going to represent the people the most. It's the people that's going to represent the powers that be, not the real, not the base level political shit that they run on CNN all day. Trust, mm-hmm. D- Donald Trump is not the power that be. There are major, major mover and shakers that he has to answer to. Yeah, like or the he be, Yeah. And you know like what? Those people... I don't even want to know who they are. 
And you know what? The, the thing about it is, it's like the Richard Pryor quote that I actually keep in my videos. It's one of those things where you only get to the top in that system unless you're playing like the people that's already in the system. Right. And, you know, that's one of the things in... I get why people actually feel that way. I totally get it. And I totally understand it. But one of the things that like, in, you know, we have these discussions back and forth. The thing about it is I'm not afraid of this government. I'm actually quite pissed at it because it's my government. Fuck the people who are representatives or senators. No, 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 no. You're not my rulers. You're my employees. And I think... But it doesn't work that way. Yeah, because money and politics. Mm-hmm. And I really think we should promote it. We passed it in Illinois. Um, the, um, the, the the 34th Amendment to take money out of public po- uh, politics and have it all um, publicly funded like they have in so many other states. And um, one of the things that I've also wanted to do is rank choice voting. Excuse me. So rank choice, rank choice voting is is say your candidate that you use your primary vote comes in second on a particular party. It goes to your second choice. So basically it's I guess you would say like say you have three candidates from a particular particular party like the Democrats put up three candidates instead of just one. And if your candidate doesn't meet a threshold, their votes automatically go to the other candidate, the leading candidate. A few states have it. And a a few countries actually have it where, you know, you're never voting for just the president. You're voting for the um, you're voting for the party and the party elects the prime minister or shit like that. It it takes away the power that you see a lot with the money. And these are a lot of things that you don't see that they don't put as a, I, I guess they don't put out as a choice. You're stuck with the, sh- the less shittiest of the two different parties. So, yeah. I don't know. That could be a good thing, but that could also be dangerous. And that's the thing. A lot of these changes that we can actually make in government relies on the fear. The fear of the unknown. I I know, like, um, I think we had that discussion about how some people don't want to change because they're afraid of the different changes that could be done. It's not like we have a system in place where somebody can obviously lose the popular vote of the presidential elected election and still become president and then turn our already fascist light government into a full on fascist government, right? I mean, there's that. Mm-hmm. Liberal democracies and everything, right? It's not. What I don't understand are people who don't go out and vote but have a lot of complaining to do. If you're not active in your voting, the voting process, even if you don't want to vote for I have one friend said that he's not going to vote because he doesn't want to vote for the president 
because it's just voting for the lesser of two evils. I asked him, I said, okay, if you don't want to vote for the president, don't. What about all the senators and stuff that's up for re-election and all the propositions that are going to be on these ballots that will affect us at the state level? Why don't you go and fill out your ballot for that? And he had no response. He had no good response at all. He, in fact, stopped, um, shut down commenting on the polls and took it down. So apparently I, I've caused him to think, and that hurt. Um and that's okay. Ouch. I'm fine with stretching your brain. I'm fine with that. Ouch. Really? Like, really? What? That was... I tell my kids every year, I'm not... I'm here to teach you school stuff, right? But I'm really here to teach you to think. And it's gonna hurt. And you're gonna be mad at me. You might cuss me. You might even cry. But I promise you, once you start thinking for yourself, once you start questioning the things that are happening around you, it'll be all the better. And I've yet to have, in my 13, 14 years of teaching, have a kid come back and tell me, you know, making me think hurts so much, I don't want to think no more. Never. You never had Donald Trump as a student. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. So, but okay. even Trump is calculating. I mean, I'm not saying that his calculations add up and make sense, but he's, he's calculating, definitely. Oh God! Oh God! You know, two plus two equals five. You got to carry the one. Okay. Okay. So, help me out with something, and I want to come back to this point. Um, so, this is a great time to put. Um, what do you think uh, about the method or the, the 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 way we teach students nowadays? From your personal expertise, from what you've seen from your coworkers and things of that nature, how do you, how do you feel about that? I wish we went about teaching in the way that they do in Asian countries. Instead of children just passing from grade to grade and getting caught up in third, sixth, and eighth of high school or whatever, that we just have levels of mastery, and you stay at that level until you master it, and then you move on to the next one. Some people are going to accelerate through these levels much quicker than other people, absolutely. But that gives, there's no limitations when you do it that way. If I'm a person that can handle more rigor faster, I'm not stuck sitting in a classroom because that's the grade I'm in or that's the age I am. Or at the same time, kids who learn a little differently that need a little bit more repetition can stay until they develop mastery. It shouldn't be you're five, you're in kindergarten, you're six, you're in first grade, you're seven, you're in second grade, you're eight, you're in third grade. Oh, you didn't do great in third grade. We're going to keep you in third grade a year. That's psychologically damaging. So right now, guys, we're going to take a little break in this wonderful show to bring you our sponsor. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. 
The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. We're going to thank our sponsor for supporting this episode of this podcast. Now let's get back to the show. So I've once heard, and I don't know from your point, I see it as, um, I see it as particularly uh, quite apt. Right now, it seems that we teach more for as if we're still in the 1930s. Yes, the curriculum has changed and advanced, but it's more like we teach for factory jobs versus, you know, true understanding. And that's only done until when you get to college. And even then, it's a barrier of entry where it's more like if you can afford to go and actually learn that way, you know, cool, but it's really rote memorization in a lot of cases. Um, you see it by the way they teach history. You see it by the way they teach English. Yes, you have to write a paper, but you're not really taught about the syntax of how to actually speak and the, the, where dialect comes from. You see it in math. Of course, you get basic math compared to other countries. And it's, it doesn't seem like it's, we're teaching for um, one for it's more like teach to the test. And I'm not saying that you do it, but it's teaching to a test versus teaching ways of thinking processes of thinking versus teaching to the answer. That's why I wanted to be a special ed teacher and not a gen ed teacher, because I get the flexibility to teach thinking. I don't have to teach lessons one through 10 by week 10. I get the flexibility to bounce around and try all these different strategies and really teach kids how to speak and think about their learning and not focus on this skill, task, 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 task. Can they replicate this on a test? And because I get to teach that way, my students tend to outperform their gen ed peers as far as growth is concerned every year because I teach I don't want to teach you one plus one equals two I want you to figure it out I want you to be able to tell me why one plus one equals two not just have this fact rope memorized in your brain and it's ironic because um, back when she was a little bit um, younger, my 10-year-old brought it up. Like, the way that they teach some people just doesn't work. And she's always been one of those smart ones who can figure out a lesson and just breeze through it. But it was she saw some of her classmates, how they were struggling. And I'm saying, like, I speak with you as an educator, I've talked to other educators, and I speak with kids. Why do you think that it hasn't changed? Um, that's because the powers that be in education tend to be people who have never been educated. 
So they don't have the experience or the wherewithal to know what goes on at a classroom level, but they make all the major decisions on what it should look like. Um, again, imagine if your daughter, for example, she gets it. She gets to move on to the next lesson, and she's not left sitting there staring at other people's struggle. Because what ends up happening a lot of times in the Gen A classroom is they have to, they're trying to get this 30, 40 kids smashed in a room like a can of sardines, all to learn the same thing the same way at the same time and move on at the same pace. And if somebody doesn't fit that model, they're either going to get left behind, into Michonne, or they're just going to struggle through it and do bare minimal average, no mastery at anything. And that's kind of like, I hate that way of thinking. I'm not one of those persons that has a lot of irons in the fire, but none of them are hot. I only want to focus on a few things that I can do greatly. And if it's something I can't do greatly, hey, I tried it. I'm going to put it on the shelf and I'm going to be done with that. I don't want to be like just constantly mediocre. And that's what we're doing to kids today. We're creating a, a group of kids who are just going to be constantly mediocre. And then when you push them into high schools and colleges, they can't handle the challenge because they never learned how to think. So is one of those things smaller class sizes? Absolutely. I fully advocate for class, small class sizes. Last year, I was given a child. I'm not going to say his name. And uh, as long as I've been at my school, he's been a problem kid. Mm -hmm. Very explosive anger. He stabbed his kindergarten teacher, um, stabbed classmates, um, cursing, running out the classroom, running out the building, like the most extreme behavioral kid you can imagine. They put him on, they finally staffed him, made him special ed, and they put him on my roster to get into the school year last year. And the plan was I was going to take data on him for six weeks, we were going to come back to the table, and then we were going to present this to the district as a reason to put this child into a therapeutic day school for children with extreme emotional issues. Mm -hmm. If I let them know on day one, you know that's not going to happen, right? Why? You're going to take him out of that room. You're going to put him in a small class where he's going to get the attention he needs, where he's going to get the ability to speak without fear, where there's not going to be a lot of stimuli, where there's going to be me. Look, I, don't, I toot my own horn all the time, <laughs> but I'm good at what I do. I consider myself a nutcracker. You're going to give them to me. I'm going to crack that nut. Pause. Okay, go ahead. Within the first week, I figured out he likes to he doesn't really know how to draw, but he likes art. So we had art breaks. And I had this other girl, I, I won't say her name either, but she's an amazing artist. And she's, she's autistic, but she's very high-functioning, very sweet, very kind, has one of those soft things on the voices. And I sat him next to her. We had no problem. Every once in a while might be a little flare here or there. But like he was, no kind of way. 
So you're telling me if you take a child that is experiencing extreme emotional outbursts and put him in a smaller setting where he's able to adjust behaviorally and get the amount of support that he needs without being in this setting where, again, I'm not the type that's going to force Sack, 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 learn this, 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 and this time, and this way, and keep moving whether you get it or not. I teach thinking. It took a lot of that stress off of him. He was able to connect to me as a, an authority figure, but not as someone that is trying to force him to be anything other than himself. Mm-hmm. That embraced his artistic side and gave him supplies and time to do that. I even would, if we had, you know, sometimes I take a brain break, teach you how to draw this, or we'll do a character, or they'll ask me to draw a character, and I'll do a, find a tutorial, and we'll all do it together. All these things put together completely change this individual child, and he can function in a smaller setting. Mm-hmm. And now here we are six weeks later, I don't have any data to give you to support why he needs to go to a therapeutic day school. Mm-hmm. I just don't have it because I didn't have the same issues he had in this gen ed setting because I don't teach that way. It's almost as if they institutionalized learning to a cookie cutter mold. And if you, one, deviate outside that mold, um, it's a problem. Then they started treating it more of a problem, and it puts more pressure on kids. And I understand it because, like I said, he stabbed a teacher. He was he's an extreme case. Mm-hmm. But even him taking him out of that smaller setting, giving him mobile breaks, giving him an outlet to express himself artistically, academically, and Really just, you know, I snack them to death too. Nurturing that inquisitive side of him, I didn't have that issue. Like even when he would like get in trouble, when he would go to like gym or recess or something, mm-hmm. instead of running out of the building and y'all having to call 911 and all that stuff, he'd come to me. And so, and he would come to me, and he would tell me what he did, and why he did it, and why he shouldn't have left, but why he was with me. Can I just stay with you so I don't get in more trouble? You know how big that is. Yeah, no, that that is that is fucking awesome. I give him a fruit snack and a drawing tablet, and I'd be done. <laughs> so here's the thing, and like, it's one union that I don't fucking support. And we all know that union that I, I just have, like, disdain for it, the police union. But mm-hmm. one union that I feel is just now starting to flex their power are the teachers unions across the country. So what do you think about their sort of revival of the power of the teachers unions that's been happening over the last few years? I attribute that to the former president of the Chicago Teachers Union, Ms. Karen Lewis. Um, in 2012, when we went on those that strike for like not even a full week with Rahm Emanuel, 
the her voice, her presence, the way that she navigated CTU during that strike run just kind of set a fire under all the other unions. Like we can be boisterous and vocal and we can ask for what we want and we can withhold our work until we get it. And we have power in that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times unions just kind of pander to the politics because you get your funding from the political arena. Yes, we get funding from the political arena. But as you can see in the COVID 2020, teachers are essential. Well, not only you that, need us. Not only that, it's that a lot of the union bosses a lot of the heads of the unions are they've lost touch with the rank and file. Like if you look at what happened in Nevada or you look, you know, when I say exactly like when I say the teachers union power, like sparks so many other things, look at, look at how the coal miners union in, I forget, was it um, West Virginia that pointed towards the teachers union for giving them inspiration to stand up for the coal miners. It started... Like people... Yeah, unions... Other unions still call out that 2012 run. Like, what Karen Lewis did in 2012 changed the face of how unions bargain. Sorry. GM. And all she wanted was more prep time for teachers. Ron could have gave us that and wouldn't have had to deal with that. But because you denied... Just a simple extra two hours a week to do the work that is not going to be done in five hours a week, trust. I'm still doing work, and I'm supposed to be at home enjoying myself, and I'm on here looking at trainings and stuff on my outside time. So to deny teachers just two hours a week, a prep every day, wow. You really just gave her a platform. Like if she hadn't got brain cancer, oh, she'd have been mayor of Chicago and probably president of the United States by now. Well, and you know that was the start of the fall of Rahm Emanuel's mayoralship in Chicago. Oh yes, that was the start, and Laquan McDonald was the linchpin. And so, with Lightfoot, do you think also that's also going to be another like? Will the teachers' union cause another fall of another mayor in Chicago? Here's the thing with Auntie Lori. Um, I'm going to start by saying this. I did not vote for her. I wanted Sugar Tax Preckwinkle. I knew what to expect from Sugar Tax Preckwinkle. I knew we had no idea what we were going to get from a Lori Lightfoot. And as a, 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 a person who came from the police review board, president of the police review board, you don't get that job if you're not plugged politically. Mm-hmm. And she ran a campaign on being anti-political and all that shit, but I knew that just wasn't the truth. I also knew that um, the way she fought against giving teachers the same things that she said teachers deserved while she was campaigning, um, it left a bitter taste in my mouth. I feel like this round, the teachers' union really put her to task, and she's had to figure out a different way to go. It wasn't going to work the way she started. So I'm hoping that this strike battle that we had in 2016, and um, again, 
2019 will show her that teachers ain't playing and that she has to listen to her constituency. And you have to concede some things. Like under Ron, I worked four years and never got a raise. How do you expect people to educate? And look, as a teacher, you carry many hats. I'm mom, I'm social worker, I'm teacher, I'm lunch lady, I'm dad, like I'm disciplinarian, I'm psychologist, sociologist. Like we wear many hats to take care of these kids day to day that are not my children. The least I can get is a little raise every year. Any other job gets a raise. You think police officers don't get raises every year? Hmm. Oh, you think hot, firemen don't get raises every year? Hot hmm. topic, hot topic. So what do you think about the defund the police? Now, before you go out there on a limb, I say, yes, we should defund the police. I say a lot of those things should go into social services. A lot of it should go to actually um, assisting with um, poverty, uh, poverty. Um, what are they called? Um, fucking... Um, when you go in initiatives, yes, um, I'm upfront about it. Not saying that you know. Okay, I made joke about the Abba. All cops are bastards, and I actually may feel that police are class traitors in some sense because they're there to help protect wealth versus protecting human beings. Um, in a lot of cases, um, I'm putting that out there, and you can agree, disagree, have a different tone, a shade of gray, if you will? Do I agree? Like, the short answer is yes. Do Does that mean that there should be no police? No, we should still have police. Mm-hmm. And they their purposes should be protecting and serving. But there are a lot of situations that police officers are putting that they're ill-equipped to deal with. A police officer is necessary for a mental health crisis. But what happened under Rahm and even before him under Daly, speaking in Chicago, um, corruption. there was an attack at mental health services, Mm -hmm. and all that funding was pushed into Chicago's police department. Mm -hmm. We need to go back to the old way of doing things. Like, why did we close all the mental health clinics? Why is there an attack on Planned Parenthood? Like, these are resources that are vital to the community to make sure that they can survive. Um, the reduction in drug, drug rehab facilities. No. These ser- social services are essential in making sure that people can get the help and support that they need, even if they can't afford it through their jobs or don't have a job to provide the insurance. Look, I work for the city, and we just, in 2019, got embedded into our contract support for mental health services. Didn't they want And I work for the city. Didn't they want to actually raise how much you guys pay for your health care? Or cut back on what they would cover? They did and they did. We just got coverage for mental health services. Just. Wow. 2019. Before that, it wasn't covered. There's certain medical procedures that aren't covered. They had us go into these wellness clinics, and they'll tell you, okay, you need to lose weight. Great. Go see a nutritionist. 
you're going to get a bill for $1,000 because they're not going to cover it. Wait, what? Oh, God. Wait, what? Yes. Wow. wow. Or they'll say they'll pre-approve it. I, I was considering getting gastric bypass surgery years ago. I went through the whole process, six months of classes. I went to see the psychologist, the nutritionist, the dietitian, and got all that done. Week before surgery was due, they put in the bill to cover the surgery. Not only did they deny it, they refused to pay the bills for any of that. I had like a $6,000 bill for a procedure that I was pre-approved for. Wow. Wow. And I work for the city. Imagine somebody who's living under the poverty line, who depends on social services for their health care and their wellness for themselves and their families, and all their services are being cut to put more police officers on the street who are not trying to do the job that they're doing, which is why you keep seeing these police officers freaking out and killing people. Some of them are racist, but some of them really just are not trained to do the job they're doing. And now we want to put it all on, oh, there's bad seeds, there's bad cops. Yes, there are, but it's also mismanagement. And it would be more of the culture versus it's the thing about systematic racism. Not everybody who shoots an unarmed black person is racist, but there is a system in place where you don't have to be racist to be in a racist system. Right. I mean, like... But how do you fix that? Because my white people... And I got have I'm I, I I'm friends with everyone who's good to me. Black, white, Puerto Rican, Haitian, Asian, whatever. But my white people, especially since coronavirus and Breonna Taylor and all that stuff has been going on these last six months or so, they've had to check their privilege. And I'm seeing a lot of them are uncomfortable with that. They they want to say that black lives matter, but, you know, really all lives matter. But what they really mean is it matters as much as long as they don't have to be uncomfortable. A lot of people aren't willing to give up their privilege to make sure somebody else has a little bit. Well, it goes back to the definition of privilege, which they think is privilege. Yes, you can be poor and can be white. You can be illiterate and white. You can even have an interaction with a cop that is, and you're white. But that's not what privilege is in this particular case. It's, you don't have to carry that extra burden of, well, you know, what is the mean? 1350. 13% of the population does 50% of the crime. No, that's not how that works. You don't have to live with that. You don't have to tell your child. Make sure you walk where your hands are. When you ever run into a cop, make sure you don't make any sudden movements. Like, literally, when I'm out and about, as a man, I don't carry my cell phone in my pocket. I carry my cell phone in my hand where people can actually see it. That's with the privilege is the fact that 
you don't have to go through these extra steps. Yes, you may be poor, and yes, the system may be more against poor people, but you don't have that extra assumption of guilt. And I see it like, and a lot of people who aren't black, who aren't Hispanic, can't understand that extra assumption of guilt just because of the way you look. Um, but that's a slippery slope because when I think of like Philandro Castile, he did everything he was supposed to. Exactly. He still died. He was still murdered. He was pulled over. He was polite. When he was asked to provide his license and registration, he did. He informed the officer that he had a concealed carry and that there was a weapon in the car. And when the, he did everything the officer did, and he still shot and killed him. It's, so even being compliant doesn't mean I'm going to come home at the end of the day. I've been pulled over by police officers for minor shit. Like I had a expired um, plate sticker. I had actually purchased a plate sticker, just purchased it at the currency exchange. Mm-hmm. I was going to go home and take it off and put on a new one. And I got pulled over by the police. I lit down my windows, and they approached one on each side. And when they got to my window, they unhooked their guns and put their hands on their pistols. And I looked up, and I, I'm just like, God, I don't want to die today. And I actually asked the officer, is that really necessary? I'm sure you ran my plates when you before you pulled me over. You know I'm a Chicago public school teacher. I'm no threat to you, but you got your hand on your gun ready to draw. I'm uncomfortable. Can we go to the nearest police station and handle this there? Because I don't want to die today. I want to go home. He let me go because he knew he was wrong. And, you know, I've been stopped expired plates in the suburbs, and there is a noticeable difference because I used to live around Naperville. There is a noticeable difference with the interactions of the police officers in those areas than the city of Chicago. And it's not to drag on the city of Chicago. I mean, like I was born and raised here and I moved to the suburbs for a few, few months, but it's, it's just, it's a noticeable difference in a lot of people that don't have our experience. They can't understand that. No, they can't. And like when, when the whole thing with George Floyd happened and they started doing it all the rioting and whatnot, I had one of my friends, one of my good friends, my friend friend, his sister, she um was very vocal about how it was wrong to be rioting and that she saw a video of a white shop owner get beat up by protesters and white people shouldn't be afraid to walk up and down the streets in their neighborhood. And I had to check her and her privilege because you're aware I'm afraid every day. Every day I leave my neighborhood, I'm afraid. And this is Every time a police officer, I see one, I'm afraid. Every time the lights get to world, I'm afraid. I'm afraid for myself. I'm afraid for my brother. I'm afraid for my boyfriend. I'm afraid for my students and their parents and family. And I know kids who I've lost to gun violence at the hands of the police that I taught. 
and not to make any light of it, but like I think one of the panels that I saw out of somebody's fan comic book actually states it just supremely just to a T. And like soon we're gonna have to end it because coming up on an hour. Um, but it was a comic of Peter Parker, Spider Man, and Miles Morales. Now you're familiar with Spider Man, right? Mm-hmm. What does he have? A Spidey sense, right? Mm-hmm. And the panel says, Miles Morales was asking him, hey, Peter, how do you turn off your spider sense? Peter responded, well, it only goes off when you're in danger. And at that end, he looked at him and he stopped. And he was like, oh. So, yeah. Um, shout out to Marvel for being a really fucking progressive comic book. Um, but, but you know, Marvel has always been very progressive in their imagery and comic books. Um, Stanley was a, was a, before his time. I cried like a baby when Stanley died. Um, I mean, well, yeah, I did. I cried like a baby. I ain't gonna lie. But um, it's coming up on an hour. These things can only last an hour. Do you want to shout anything out before we go besides your podcast? I'm not going to shout out Reality the Pod again that you can find on all streaming platforms, including Spotify and Apple Apple uh, Apple Apple Podcasts. No, I'm not going to do that. That would be shameless. Um, I can say, um, people take care of yourself. Um, it's okay to be selfish and do the things that you need to take care of yourself because if you don't, you won't be here. And I, I I'm tired of losing people I love because they didn't take the time to take care of themselves and do the things that they wanted to do and see the things that they wanted to see. Like, better yourself? Yeah, I'm going back to school. But in the midst of that, I'm still doing a lot of things that I love to do and want to do, and I'm going to have all the experiences that I want to have in life. And it's something that um, Chadwick Boseman had said in a, a, a commencement speech. He hopes that when he gets to heaven, that he's used every ounce of talent that he had and left nothing behind. And that's how I'm going to conduct myself. I want to, when my time is over, I've done everything I sought out to do with the full amount of excellence that I intend to put into it. All right. Well, with that being said, can I at least one final question? Can I get your commitment on chat right now to a return to the channel? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Just let me know when. All right, great. Well, guys, thank you, and please like, share, and subscribe. Peace.